Bible, just above this verse, has the phrase, the future house of God. Okay? All right. So it says, verse 1, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it shall come to pass when? In the latter days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be what? Exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, come and let us go up, go up to the house, or sorry, to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways. Isn't that interesting? Like nobody wants to hear about God and his ways. But in the end, and we shall walk in his paths. Why? For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. The word of the Lord from Jerusalem. All right. So we're talking again on the year of the Lord's house. This is, uh, we're dealing, we open up 5782. And y'all can, can see it. 5782. And uh, this is part three of that, the year of the Lord's house. And uh, I share with you in 2018, if you recall, um, what the Lord said to me that every prophecy we've heard is for now. And every word we will hear, prophetic word implied, is for now. And so I told you this church, we've shifted into a season of fulfillment and acceleration. And God is, uh, I went back, it's funny because I had this on my notes already, God is moving. And I look back and what I just talked this morning in prayer, I saw, that's, God, that's exactly what you were saying. He's moving. He's not, he's not about to. The church has been in, in a God is about to do something. God is going to do something. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get, 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 get ready. Because one day God is going to. And God is saying, I'm not one day going to. I'm doing. I'm moving right now. The problem is, is that if we don't understand that, we focus on what the devil is doing. And the devil's doing some stuff. The devil's moving all over this planet. He's moving all over this nation. He's moving in our cities, moving in churches. But we are not supposed to focus on what the devil's doing. We're supposed to focus on what God is doing. If you focus, focus on what the devil's doing, it'll, it'll nearly depress you. It'll surely oppress you. Did you hear what I said? It will surely bring oppression on you. That heavy weight of worry and care and anxiety and grief, stress, stressed out, that, that oppression will come on you. I preached some years ago a message series entitled um, Delivered from Oppressing Spirits. You remember that? These oppressing spirits uh, cause, like for example, one oppressing spirit is called the spirit of infirmity. That's an oppressive spirit, the spirit of grief. Those are oppressive spirits. And so if we focus on what the devil is doing, then we, we will miss what God is doing, which God, y'all remember I taught you about how everything, how Satan brings the anti-anointing? So God brings the anointing that does us good and makes us glad. The, the anti-anointing will do us bad and make us sad. Look at what you're seeing out there in the earth. All the, all the mental uh, breakdowns that people are having. I mean, just in every facet of society. Hallelujah. But we're not supposed to be going through that. We, we are prophetic people with prophetic insight, and we are supposed to look into the things of God. So, now, so this video is ready. I want you all to see this. Pay very close attention because it's, 
I say it's a video only because that's how the format came. But it's all audio. So there's no word to read. There's no pictures to look at. You have to really listen. I want, it, I want everybody really, really tuned in. It's about seven minutes or so. Okay, so really tune in for seven minutes to this. To this um, it's a prophetic word that was spoken by Kenneth E. Hagin in 1963. That's just shy of 60 years ago. It's just shy of 60 years ago. And it is so relevant to today. It's going gonna, it's gonna to blow your socks off. At least it did for me. I listened to it several times. And you'll understand what has been happening over the last uh, several years, but especially in the last two years. Really, I, I could say in the last five years, you'll see what's been, what's been happening that was prophesied. In other words, God revealed something to him. So I want you to hear this. We ready? Okay, go right ahead. voice of God spoke unto me and said, Come up, come up hither, son of man. And I went, as it were, up into the air and stood with him, the head of the church, even the Lord Jesus Christ, in the air. And as I looked down upon the ground, I could see as a mouth laid out before me the entire nation, all of the states of the continental United States. And as I looked, he said, Behold, son, and I shall show you that which shall come to pass, and that which the eyes of many shall see, and they shall remember that their ears heard, that it shall come to pass. For there came a dark hand up out of the ocean, from the east, even the Atlantic Ocean, it came up out of the sea as a hand, and as it rose up into the air, it became a dark cloud, and it filled the whole atmosphere, and yet it swept in them like a storm from sea. And I said, O oh Lord, O oh Lord, O oh Lord, what's the meaning of this? And he spake unto me and said, Son, that is the darkness of atheistic communism that is sweeping across the nation. Even in the minds of men in high places and politicians with great power. And this nation shall not grow more strong and ye shall never have more liberty than you have now but liberties that you've known as you have seen, seen them see shall be seen shall be taken from you. And I looked again, and I could see upon the mountain a blot, as though a bottle of ink had been spilled and it spread out over several states in the south and east. And then I looked and I could see spots, splotched all over the mountain. And I said, Lord, what meaneth this? And he said, communistic inspired hatred among races shall cause greater turmoil than your nation has seen heretofore. Yea, it is not the will of God 
But men's hearts are perverse. They walk without the love of God and seek to have their own way. And so it shall be worse than you have seen. And I said, Oh Lord, Oh Lord, is there a remedy? Is there a remedy? What shall the answer be? And he said, Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceived and being deceived. And then I said, O Lord, do we have nothing to look forward to in the future except the darkness, the blackness, war, destruction, evil? And then he said, Son of man, forget not your text. For you look at the things not seen. And so then I looked into the spirit realm and I saw falling upon that mouth a ball of fire from heaven. The closer to the earth, the bigger it got. And then when it came to the earth, it divided into small balls or sparks of fire and fell upon men. And I saw an army of men rise up. And it seemed as though their hands were fire. And they sat upon their heads a tongue of fire. When I first saw it, I thought their whole head was a head of fire like their hands. But it was a tongue of fire. Tongues of fire leaping and I said, what meaneth this? And he said, before the worst shall come, and the day of darkness shall come, there shall those who will go who shall carry the fullness of my truth and the fire, not only to the states of this nation, but to many other places. For there is a work that must be done first spiritually before the Lord shall come. Now prepare ye your hearts, for the time is at hand, and the beginning is now. And ye shall see, and ye shall know, for the hand of the Lord is upon you, and many others, to be used in these last days, and the work shall progress. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus. And I said to him, O Lord, thank you that I may have a small place to work. And he said, I will cause thy tent to be enlarged. Yea, thou shalt have an enlarged ministry and shall minister to many where you've ministered to a few. Therefore, go ye back to the earth and be thy faithful and give forth that which I tell thee to give. For ye have been reluctant in days gone by to tell it. Now tell it boldly and speak it true. For now is the day that it shall be so. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Yes, 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 yes. For the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The prophetic vision shall be restored unto the church. 
For even in the days of old, under the old covenant, the prophet would see by vision and prophesy. And so the prophetic vision shall be restored unto the church. And this is the time, and this is the hour, and this is the place. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. I, 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 what I spoke of, I saw this very night. I saw the vision. I was lifted up to that place. Oh, men and women. Thank God for His goodness and blessings. Thank you, Jesus. Now every head bowed, every eye closed. Yea, the hand of the Lord was upon me. The Spirit of God moved upon me. Praise you, Lord. Come on and give God praise tonight. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Now that was a powerful, powerful vision that he shared in 1963. And it would be as if he's reporting the news today when you hear the things that God revealed to him in that vision. Some of the things that stood, stood, out, stood out to me, the rise of atheistic communism. Is that what we're seeing coming across America right now? From the East, we're seeing China with such a strong, overwhelming influence over our government. Our, we found out over our military. Yes. We just discovered that this week. Treasonous acts were happening under President Trump's administration where his chief of staff, generals, they were communicating with China behind the president's back. This is it's atheistic communism that they're bringing across into our nation. And people are going along with that. <laughs> then he talked about communist-inspired racism. And so what we've seen happening in our nation over the last several years, especially the last couple of years, with Black Lives Matter, which is not a Black Lives Matter movement. This Black Lives is not their issue. They are actually Marxist lesbian women who are pushing Marxist le lesbian communist agenda. And they said so. Ain't like, ain't like we got to try to guess is that what they're doing. That's what they said. They are avowed Marxists. Marxism is the basis for communism. Socialism communism. And that's what they said. That's what we are. And so that's what they're being pushing and, and pastors have been promoting that in their churches. Y'all ain't got to say much. Pastors have been promoting that in their churches and don't understand what they've, they've aligned themselves with. Critical race theory. It's not about race. It's about creating racism. People are pushing for that and accepting that as if that's something good. It's not. It's communist-inspired racism. It's to cause people of different ethnicities to now oppose each other where we had made so much headway in becoming one it's to now hallelujah because the critical race theory tells white people that they are inherently racist and it tells black people that white people are inherently racist so what does it do now it creates an animosity it's a communist inspired racism y'all 
but he also saw an army of men rising up. <laughs> an army that God will raise up in these last days. That was the prophetic vision that Ezekiel saw in Ezekiel 37 when he said, Lord, can these dry bones live? Or God asked him, hey, Ezekiel, can these bones, very dry bones, live? And he said, Lord, you know. What did he say? Prophesy. So he said, "There's a God. There will be a restoration of prophetic vision." And so it's no, no coincidence that we spent the decade fifty-seven seventies learning about prophetic vision, insight, revelation. So then now in the fifty-seven eighties, we speak out what we've seen. And he said, "There be an army of men rising up, carrying the word." On fire. Hallelujah. I mean, God is, he's, God is cleansing his church. <laughs> and all the fakers are being exposed. And all the real saints are being revealed. And those be the ones, you all will be the ones who carry the prophetic word throughout this nation and as, as he said throughout the whole earth you see every prophecy we've heard is for now so we are in the time that he, that he saw is there any doubt about that is there? no doubt we're in that time alright now so let's, let's pick up in our remaining time here Thank you, Lord. We're, we've been talking about this. I'm, I'm going to skip some of these verses here for sake of time. I want to go right into talking about this, this pay, this bait, this calf, this yod, how I showed you that God is holding his people in the palm of his hands. Yes. Remember that? Yes. And so... Put up Isaiah uh, 49, please. Isaiah 49, 13 through 16. Isaiah 49, 13 through 16. Glory to God. Y'all see that? Okay, Isaiah 49, 13 through 16 says, Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break out and sing in, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people, and he will have mercy on his afflicted. On his afflicted. Communism tries to afflict the church. Communism has to shut the church down. Because communism makes no room for God. So what we've seen happening in America, and what, in fact, I, I read an article just before I came here tonight about how they talk about how religious exemptions uh, for the vaccine are, you know, on the uptick across America. And now what, what companies are starting to do now is to take away those religious exemptions and say, you can't, can't use that. Because what, they need, what they're trying to do is get religion and religious folk out of society. Because communism can't tolerate religion, especially Christianity. You got it? Okay, so his afflicted, it says he'll have mercy on them. Verse 14, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget a nursing child? No. And not have compassion on the son of her womb? No. He says, surely they may forget. So even if they do forget, yet I will not forget you. He says, see, 
See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Okay? Now, uh, Isaiah 41.10, we saw that on Sunday too. I want you to notice what God says there in Isaiah 41.10. He says, fear not. Why? For I am with you. Say it. I am with you. Say it again. Do, be not dismayed, for I am, I am, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's God's promise to you that should something happen to you. See, this is, this is comforting for us who, who uh, this is supposed to be assuring for us who have even teeter-tottered on compromise. Because what the enemy wants to get the people of God to do in every facet of society is compromise. Compromise on your moral standards. Compromise on the word of God. Compromise on, on how, you, how you see things. Compromise on how you do things. Compromise on all the things that they put out there. Compromise on your integrity. Compromise on your honor. Compromise on your praise. Compromise on your, you don't, you don't have to go to church. You can just do it online. Compromise on all these things. That's what he wants the people to do is compromise. But God says, I don't want you compromise. He says, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Don't compromise. Help me out, tell your neighbor, say, do not compromise. God will take care of you. Tell somebody who, who looks like they care. Tell them, don't compromise. God will take care of you. See, the reason folk compromise is because they fear they're going to lose something. They fear they'll have to go without something. But God is saying, it doesn't matter. I'm your supplier. I'm your provider. I'm your healer. I'm your way maker. You might lose your benefits. You might lose your Medicaid. You might lose your social. You might lose. God says, I got you. In fact, I don't have time to read it, but if you were to read Isaiah chapter 46, when God says, even if Baal bows down, even if Nebo stoops, God says, I will hold you. I keep you from, from, the, from the birth all the way to the grave. I'll hold you. Even when you, when you are old and have gray hair, God says, I will take care of you. He don't want you depending on Baal. He don't want you depending on Nebo. He don't want you depending on the government. He don't want you depending on Biden or anybody else. Or Trump. If Trump never gets back in office, it ain't going to change my lifestyle if I depend on God. Oh, you follow what I'm saying to you? you you're not, we're not depending on Baal or Nebo or any of these financial systems. No, we're depending on God. He says, I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Are oh, y'all hearing this? Hallelujah. God said in Romans, it says in Romans 8.31, if God be for us, if God is for us, who can be against us? Psalm 118 and verse 7. Notice what it says here. It says, the Lord is for me. Say it. Say it again. The Lord, is for the Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. The world hates you. Hello? Do I have any Jesus people in here? If you're a Jesus person, the world hates you. I don't know, because Jesus told the disciples, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. So if you all of a sudden have everybody in the world loving you and following you and, I, and they, they being your friend, you might not be a Jesus person. 
Now, I'm not saying you're not, but what I'm saying, eventually, the more you follow Jesus, I'll come on this side. Eventually, the more you follow Jesus without compromise, you're going to lose some friends. They may not hate you, but they're not going to like you. But the more you follow Jesus, eventually they're going to start actually hating you. That's why in the Bible it says in the last days that fathers will turn against sons and sons against fathers and mothers against daughters and those will be enemies of their own household. People will start turning each other in. They were doing that during the whole COVID lockdown. Stuff that turning, people turning each other in. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So the Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. Can you say amen? amen? Now let's go back to Isaiah 2, our main scripture here. And again, I, 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 just, I just really notice how it titles this chapter, The Future House of God. The Future House of God. Because what I want you to know is um, the, the ones who hate you are the wicked. They hate your guts. They hate all your little Christianese. They hate all your little crosses. They hate all your little, your little T-shirts, your little bumper stickers, your little smiley faces. Jesus is Lord. They hate all your little what would Jesus do. They hate all your little stuff. All your little tracks. They hate all your little, your little posts on Facebook. All your little nice tweets. They hate that. They hate it. They hate you. And it's not so much as you they hate. It's the Jesus in you that, that they hate. Why? Because they're wicked. Now, I'm not talking about everybody. We, the Lord already showed us, the Apostle Durbin taught us the difference between the wicked and the sinner. I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about the wicked. They hate God and anything Anybody attached to God. Okay? So they're coming against the people of God. But the wicked, when they oppose God, God opposes them. And so they're going to be, their being brought down. As we speak. Whistleblowers are starting to tell the secrets. People are starting to tell what was really happening. That's how we just found out, found out about this guy, General Milley, calling the, the Chinese government twice on record to let them know, hey, if, if America decides to attack, we, I'm going to let you know. Now, that's called treason in any book in the, in the, in the world. You see? Well, somebody told it. He didn't tell it. Somebody else told it. You see, so my, my point is that's just one example of, of things that is happening, that are happening. So the wicked are being brought down, being overthrown. Okay, now watch this. Uh, Isaiah 2, verse 1 through 3, because I want you to know what's happening is here. Uh, here is, again, it's called the future house of God. So as the wicked are coming down, the house of the Lord is rising up. Remember Jesus said, in Mark 10, right around verse 31, I think it is, he says, and the, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Yes, Remember that? Yes, so there's a flip-flop going on. Yes. Yes, sir. 
Hallelujah. Those who've been in charge are being demoted. Hallelujah. I think it's Psalm 75 says promotion doesn't come from the east or the west or from the north, from the south, but God puts down one and puts up another. Hallelujah. When Samuel got out of line, not, I'm sorry, forgive me, Lord. When Saul got out of line, God brought Saul down and raised David up. When Eli got out of line, his family did wickedly. God brought Eli and his family down. They all died, and God raised Samuel up. So when you see what's happening with the wicked, that they are coming down, don't grieve. No, 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 no. Because if you grieve, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not following the heart of God. See? No, this is supposed to happen. This is supposed to happen. What you're supposed to be doing is rejoicing, not that they're coming down, but knowing that at the same time, he's raising the body of Christ up. See, and what we heard in that prophetic vision is for now. It's for now. Oh, y'all hear me tonight. Okay, now look at what it says here in Isaiah 2. It says the, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now notice it says the word that he saw. The word, not that he heard, the word that he saw. He's a seer. He's a prophet. And so prophets hear and see. And it says the word, that word, the word word there from the Hebrew is the Hebrew word dabar. Dabar, which also means thing. So we could really say, we could also say the thing that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw. So God showed Isaiah something. Are y'all hearing me? Because prophetic people see by revelation. Prophetic people see by revelation. Prophetic people don't see, don't have to wait for something to be a manifestation to see it. Prophetic people see by revelation. It's there in my heart. The, the day dawn rises in our heart. We see by revelation. We, we can see with our eyes closed. Okay, in the second chapter, in the sec, second Kings, the sixth chapter, uh, Elisha and Gehazi, his servant, they're in a place called Dothan. And the king of Syria is coming to kill him because for some reason, Elisha keeps revealing all of the king's war strategies, all his secrets. And he thought, it, and it was so bad, he thought that he had a Benedict Arnold in his camp. Who's committing treason in my camp? Who's telling all my secrets? And they said, sir, it's none of us. He said, but this, this prophet named Elisha down there, he keeps revealing everything that's going on because he knows what you're, what you're thinking even in your bedchamber. Why? God is revealing prophetically what's happening on, in the inside of this king's mind. And so they go down there and they, they encircle him, this, this mountain. They encircle him with their huge army. And Gehazi wakes up in the morning, oh, walks outside and sees this big old army. And he, he all of a sudden runs back and says, alas, my master, talking to Elisha, what shall we do? Elisha says, Lord, open this young man's eyes 
that he may see. Now, the young man's natural eyes was open. That's how he saw the army and saw the mountain. But his spiritual eyes were shut. Elisha was seeing something by revelation that this man wasn't seeing. So when he prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he may see, all of a sudden, Gehazi's spiritual eyes popped open and he saw all around that mountain, all around that army, that natural army, he saw an army of horses and chariots of fire. He saw that by revelation. Are you seeing this? So prophetic people see by revelation. And so when you see by revelation, you get a jump. You have an advantage. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Put up Amos 3, verse 7, please. Amos 3, verse 7. And, and we'll verse 8. Amos, 7, Amos uh, 3 and verse 7 and 8. Hallelujah. Can you read? Well, let's read. Surely the Lord God Hold on, hold on, hold on. Surely the Lord God does nothing. He's sovereign. Isn't he God all by himself? Yes. But surely he does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants. The who? The choir leader? Who? The prophets. Now thank God we're all prophetic people. I said, thank God we're all prophetic people. So surely he does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. Hi, prophets. So that means that God doesn't move in the earth until he shows you. Oh, boy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. He doesn't move in the earth until he gives you advance notice. Now, he may not tell you exactly what he's about to do, but he'll tell you something to do, to do, to do ahead of time that will prepare you for what he's about to do. December 22nd, 2019, been a flower. <laughs> As a matter of fact, in the... In the um, Second chapter of Kings, no, the second book of Kings, second Kings, chapter eight. Elisha tells the great woman of Shunem that there's a, a famine coming for seven years. You and your family take yourselves, go hide yourself somewhere and sit there for this famine so that you won't you don't have to go through it here, but go ahead. So when the famine hit, Shunem, they were not affected. And because she obeyed the word of the Lord through the mouth of the prophet, when those seven years are over, she came back to Shunem to inquire about her land. And just so happened, Gehazi was there talking to the king about Elisha and this woman and her child. And what happened when, he, when she came back and, and the king said, oh, that's her? He restored all of her land and all the proceeds from her land for seven years of her absence. Proceeds from her land, there was a famine. There was a drought. How is there proceeds? Because there was a word from the Lord, a prophetic voice. Boy, I wish y'all would catch this. 
does nothing except he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. Okay, go back to Amos 3, verse uh, 7. Again, hallelujah. Let's keep on trucking here. Are y'all tracking me? Yes, sir. So surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals a secret to his servants, the prophets. Now look at verse 8. Verse 8. A lion has roared. The lion of the tribe of Judah has roared. Now, the devil goes about as a roaring lion. But he's a cowardly lion. This lion is the lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion, Jesus, the voice of God has roared. Now, watch what it says. Who will not fear? Who will not reverence that voice? When you hear what God is revealing, when you hear the roar of God, are we, are we hearing the roar of God? You are, I mean, if you're in this church and paying attention, you are hearing the roar of God. If you're connected properly in this ministry and in the ministries that we're properly connected to, then you are hearing the roar of the lion of the top of Judah. Who will not fear? Who will not reverence that? Glory to God. When you know you're hearing God, you don't just wail. You know, it's just, that's just, that's just passing them talking something. No, not when the lions roar. Not when the lions roar. You can do that when somebody buying a sermon and preaching it some sermon they bought. Downloading some canned message offline. You can do that. You can just ignore that. But when somebody's giving you a message, I said somebody's giving you a message. Like when we come before you, we're giving you messages from God. You got a fear. In other words, reverence. Okay, all right, God, that's your voice. Then it says the Lord has spoken. The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? When God speaks, all you can do is prophesy. You got to prophesy. You got to prophesy. I said you have to prophesy. What God has said, you start, you prophesy and say. We prophesy and say. You start speaking out what God has said. The wicked are coming down. The body of Christ is coming up. Amen. All right, let me keep going here because that didn't hardly touch you. So it says, who can but prophesy? So what we're prophesying here is the year of the Lord's house. Now notice, if you notice from before, whenever we say the year of something, we're talk, just talking about when it begins. Not 365 or in the Jewish calendar, 360 days. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something begins. And it's going to continue until Jesus returns. So we're in the year of the Lord's house. When Jesus came preaching the acceptable year of the Lord, he's, he wasn't talking about a calendar year. He's talking about the year that it shows up. You got it? Yeah. All right. Now look at verse 2, Isaiah 2, verse 2. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days. In the what days? days. Now what, what does latter mean? In, later, last. Now remember, my Bible titles this chapter, 
the future house of God. Now, if you've got a good Bible, it's going to title it something near, nearly like that. So it says, it shall come to pass in the latter days. That means that what, what Isaiah was prophesying wasn't going to happen then. And just like that, we heard the prophetic vision from Brother Hagin. Now, when we heard that, when that prophetic word was given in 63, it was the height of the Cold War. I wasn't there. Anybody was there 63? You were around 63? Just, just a few, just hand. Yeah, you had your hand up. You weren't around a 63. You weren't even twitching your, you weren't even sparkling your daddy's eye in 63. Neither was I. I wasn't even, I wasn't even thought of. Not by, by man. God already planned me out. I said God already planned me out. In 1863. In 1263. See, that's, I'm, I'm going to put this plug in. That's why we don't endorse abortion or anybody who approves of abortion. Well, life, life doesn't begin until they're born. Tell that to Jeremiah. Who God said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I called you, I knew you by name. I ordained you, gave him, gave him a prophetic assignment before he was even born. Then tell that to, to King Cyrus, who the Bible speaks of in Isaiah 45, 400 years before he shows up on the planet. And God calls Cyrus by name 400 years before he's on this planet. And you're going to tell me life doesn't start to somebody that's born. You boo-boo the fool. Ain't no, you, can't, you can't read that and think that, that you're not taking one of God's children. We got preachers now, big preachers. Bishop Paul Morton, in fact, I'm going to just call his name. I had enough. Now he's, he's, he's all over his social media blasting the state of Texas, blasting it because they've limited abortion. The man of God, the bishop, bow down and worship him, bishop. Talking about shame on Texas. Man, you don't lost your ever-loving mind. Again. Again, that's exactly right. Again. You see? So, let me get back on this here. Get off, get off my soapbox here. Now, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountains of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. So, everything Isaiah saw, he now prophesied. And what God showed Isaiah was for our time. Somebody say our time. What Isaiah foresaw was the rise of the Lord's house and the fall of the wicked. That would happen simultaneously, concurrently. Not, not concurrently, simultaneously. Y'all got this? No, it is concurrently. That's right, it happened at the same time. That's, that's, I was right. Deep, you trying to correct me on the phone? (laughs) 
I'm just messing with the deacon. So Isaiah saw a time. Now we're in this same chapter, and I, I want, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit to show you something. Thank you, Lord. Stop that clock for me. I'm, I'm going to show you something. Let's go ahead a little bit and see what he's talking about because he, okay, those Bible school students, we know that the law is two parts. The moral law and the ceremonial law. The moral law lays everything out as to God's command, his ex expectation, and the ceremonial law was given. Those 600 and something laws were written out to, to give people a way to fix it when they blew the, the tin. Right? Y'all know that from your, uh, your study. Okay, so when we see what he says in Isaiah 2, 1 through 3, or 1 through 4, then he goes to explain how it looks, starting in verse 5. Y'all got it? Just, just say yes. I, I got it. This is, this is the beginning of Hispanic Heritage Month. Y'all know that, right? And we're going to celebrate somehow. I want to get all the Spanish students in our classes. We're going to go to a Spanish, a Mexican restaurant. We're going we're gonna to immerse ourselves in all Spanish. Just no speaking, no English. No, no, no hablo inglés. No hablo inglés. Hablamos español solamente. Did I do it? Okay. Uh, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Let's look back on my point. But I, I want you to see this explanation here. Look at verse 5. Verse 5. I'm, I'm going to read it here through verse 11. So give me time. I got three minutes. I can finish this here. This verse 5 through 11. It says, O house of Jacob. O what? House. house. Notice he keeps using the phrase house. Remember, we on, we're on bait. I didn't even go over that tonight, but y'all been here. Bait. House. Right? That's the Hebrew letter. Bait. It's the second letter of the alphabet. Okay? But first letter of the Bible. O house of Jacob, come and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Why? For you have forsaken your people, the house of Jacob, because. Oh, boy, look at your Bible. Really? You got it already. You see it. They're saying, God, you've forsaken your people because. They are filled with eastern ways. So y'all have heard pastor for years warning about getting into Buddhism and Hinduism and veganism and yoga. And these things, those are eastern ways. Eastern stars. Masonry, Eastern ways. 
sororities, fraternities, Eastern ways. Y'all college kids better hear me. Eastern ways. And he says, my people are filled with Eastern ways. So much idolatry in my people. Pastor, well, what's, what's wrong with veganism? Well, because that's Hindu. That's Hinduism. There's a difference between veganism and vegetarian. Veganism is religious. Vegetarian is just good practice. See? Well, I'm just, and, and I, I know, I've heard about people who they left this church and now they all into all that. They just all into all that. And some, some people, they, they still here, they all in and all that. They just might as well leave because you can listen to the word I, I'm saying. I mean, I don't want you to leave. I'm just saying, what's the use? Because what's, what's happening is that, that, that obstinance towards the word of God is, is, propelling people into this stuff and they, you find somebody to justify it, somebody to validate your opinion and forget all about the word. So notice what's happening. They are filled with eastern ways. Then it says they are soothsayers like the Philistines. Soothsayers like the Philistines, like, like the world. Now they, they start burning sage like the world. Cleansing atmosphere. We're going to come and have, have y'all come cleanse the, the demons, you know, because uh, the suit's saying. We're going to go and visit the graveyard and talk. We're going to go talk to, talk to my mama at the graveyard. Your mama ain't at no graveyard. I said your mama is not at the graveyard. I'm just going there to talk. Your mama is not at the graveyard. Well, I'm going I'm to go to, I'm going to go to the seaside and to the pier and talk to my mama, you know, because, you know, my mama's... Uh, you can't talk to your mama. The Bible warns us about something called necromancy. Worshiping, trying to communicate with the dead. See? And what's happening is these things become part of the culture and the Christians are not discerning enough to keep themselves disconnected from that culture and start pulling in all these things that are cultural, but they are also cultic. Hello, somebody. They are soothsayers, magicians, like the Philistines. And, y'all might not like this part. And they are pleased with the children of foreigners. Now, let, let, me, let me show you this. My Bible has a, a number five above, above our pleas. And when I go down and pull that five, I look down at my, my uh, reference here. It says, they, uh, please, or clap, or they shake hands to make bargains with the children of foreigners. Now, that sounds to me like Masonry, like pledging, and like debt. Do you know it's not a, it's not a sin to borrow? Except when you borrow from foreigners. 
Let's deal with it. Y'all don't like that. My time is up. I might as well deal with it. Because God told the children of Israel that they are supposed to be lenders and not borrowers. But when they borrowed, they were to borrow from each other. It was okay to borrow from each other because there was a seven-year rule that at the end of seven, every seven years, all debts had to be wiped out. But the Gentiles aren't under that rule. So when you shake hands, strike hands in a pledge with foreigners, the unbelievers, they don't have to release that. So if you're going to borrow, borrow from me. And the Bible would tell, tell the children of Israel, you don't charge each other usury. You borrow 100, you give back 100. When it comes to, when, when it, well, I'll get a contract ready for you. <laughs> and when it comes to that, to that seven-year cancellation of debt, it said, it said in the book of Deuteronomy that if your brother comes and he borrows in this, he wants to borrow in the sixth year, he says, don't look at him and say, but the seventh year is not. He said, no, don't do that. He said, because I need you to remember that you were once a debtor. You were once in bondage in Egypt, and I brought you out. So even if it's the sixth year and he comes and borrows from you, give him what he wants, and the seventh year release it. That's how you deal. He said, but when you borrow from the heathen, now you've stepped outside of my covenant. You have no covenant protection. And that's why debt must be eliminated from our lives. Well, I didn't mean to get into all that tonight. That's why God doesn't want us in debt. He said we should be lenders. So I'm, Joe, I'm trying to figure out, okay, Lord, I want, I want to become a lender. I want to lend to the Gentiles. I'm going to lend to them Gentiles. And I'm going to charge them usury. Call me a loan shark if you want to. I'm going to charge them. See, my boys are going to break your leg. My name is Lindy. And I got plenty. Show up like Sweet Daddy off Good Times. Somebody remember Sweet Daddy. JJ, you got my money? Okay, let me let me finish this here. Okay, let me finish. Let me finish. Okay, where, where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Okay, verse 6. Okay, look, look, let's keep going, keep going, keep going. Come back, come back. Verse 7. We'll finish this Sunday, or I should say we'll continue this on Sunday. I ain't going to tell you when we're going to finish. Verse 7. Their land is also full of silver and gold, and there's no end to their treasure, treasures. Their land is also full of horses, and there's no end to their chariots. Seems like no problem except for the fact, verse 8, their land is also full of idols. It's all idol worship. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. 
People bow down and each man humbles himself. Therefore, do not forgive them. Verse 10. Enter into the rock and hide in the dust from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty. Here it is, verse 11. Here it is, verse 11. Here it is, verse 11. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled. The hardness of men shall be bowed down. And the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. This is the day. Look at verse 17 and 18. Let me do that since I'm out of time. Let me do 17 and 18. The loftiness of man shall be bowed down. And the hardness of men. This, this is another verse, isn't it? And the hardness of men shall be brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted that day. <laughs> I just think about sweet daddy. <laughs> JJ's going to make his big break, man. Remember when Thelma got married? Okay, verse 18. But the idols he shall utterly abolish. Now, let, let's do one last thing here tonight. One last thing, and then we'll come back to this on Sunday. Okay? Because in Isaiah 2, we read about verse 1 concerning Judah and Jerusalem. We read about the house of the God of Jacob. We read about Zion. We read about the house of Jacob several times. And what happens is in the New Testament church, if we are not understanding of our position, then we separate ourselves from that and say that's just for Judah and Jerusalem, the house of Jacob. But I want you to know tonight that we're included. Because this is a word for the latter days. And in the latter days, God has removed the separation between the house of Jacob, the house of Judah, the house of, of, of Jerusalem, and the New Testament church. Now, I've been telling you this for the last week, but let's look at it, put our eyes on it, and then we can, we can go. Okay? Let's go to Ephesians, please. Chapter 2. That's New Testament. I just want to prove to you that Isaiah 2 applies to you. Tell your neighbor, Isaiah 2, Isaiah two applies, to you. applies to you. Isaiah 2, 2. Isaiah 2 and verse 2. Okay? 22. It's about to hit us right now, y'all. You better catch this here. Ephesians 2. Okay, let's read this, and then... Um, we can stop. Verse 11 is where I want to start. I want you to hear this as a New Testament believer and see what God's got for you. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called what? Uncircumcision, uncircumcision or uncircumcised by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hand. So what is circumcision? Cutting away of the flesh. Remember, that was a sign that God gave to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. Exactly. Very good, everybody. Remember that? 
my Bible school students. It wasn't on the test? I thought for sure it was on the test, Genesis 15. When God cut covenant with Abraham, had him bring the animals out, laid them, and he laid the animals out, and he had to walk between them, or the Lord walked between them, and the smoking flax, and he shooed all the birds away, Genesis 15. Okay, all right. So, so, that's, so what happened, all the children of Israel, when they were born, the eighth day of their, after their birth, they had to be the male boys, the male boys, the male children had to be circumcised. Oh, God. This is, this is important, ladies and gentlemen. Covenant is everything to God. Fast forward past Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Joseph. He ends up in Egypt. Jacob and all the other sons come to Egypt. And they're there, and then Joseph dies. Jacob dies. They're there in uh, 400 years in slavery. And God raises up somebody named Moses, whose dad's name was Amram and Jacobed, Jacobed, his mom. That was in the lesson today, wasn't it? Okay. So, oh, Lord. And so God raises him up. Now, he, God raises him up, and so... J, uh, Moses is going to go to the children of Israel and preach deliverance to them. He brings them out. But remember Jethro or, or Miriam comes and meets Moses. Now we haven't gotten this far in the lesson but it's in the Bible. Miriam comes not Miriam. Zipporah. Zipporah his wife. His wife Zipporah comes and meets him with their two sons Gershom and Eleazar, right? Okay. And what happens? He's going to take these two boys and his wife, and all of a sudden, the, the power of God hits. Boom! What you doing? God, God, God's about to kill him. God's about to kill him. Why was God about to kill him? Because them boys weren't circumcised. They had covenant. You can't take another step, he said, till you get circumcised. So poor got all mad. Because, you know, she was a uh, Hebrew. She got all, man, oh, you're going to circumcise these boys. You, you're a man of blood to me. Talking straight up noise. Yeah, I might be a man of blood, but if I don't circumcise these boys, they're going to be dead. And I'm going to be a dead man. That's how much covenant means to God. Because covenant gives you the right to access everything God has. And he can't perform his goodness to you if you're not in covenant. That's what circumcision is all about. Okay, that's your lesson for the day. So you'll call circumcision made in the hands. Verse 12, verse 12, you're there? Yes. That at that time you were what? Without Christ. without Christ. Everybody say, I was without Christ. Watch this, because you were without Christ and you weren't part of the covenant, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. And what else? Strangers from what? The covenants, several covenants of promise, having as a result no hope and without God in the world. When you don't have God, you are without hope. Verse 13, verse 13, can you read? But now, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by what? The blood of Christ. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace who has made 
who has made, who has made what? Both one. So the Israelites, those of the circumcision, and the Gentiles, that's us, uncircumcision, we've been made of both now one. So we're not separate anymore. So what we read in the Bible earlier and all the promises God made for his people, you got it? He's made both one. What verse am I in? Verse 14. And has broken down what? Verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity or the war that is, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself what? One new man from the two. So we are now the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thus making peace. Verse 16, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby put into death the enmity or the hatred or the, or the strife or the, the division. Verse 17, and he came and preached peace, irene, healing, prosperity, salvation, wholeness to you who are afar off and to those who were near. Verse 18, for through him, come on, we both, we both have access, come on, by one spirit. Verse 19, come on and read it. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody shout, I'm in the house. I'm in the house. So every promise that was made to the house of God, to the house of Jacob, to the house of Judah, it's, it's me. I'm in the house. Yes, sir. We're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. I'm a member. I'm a fellow citizen. I'm a member of the household of God. God is the head of my household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you, are, you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Somebody just say it again. I'm in the house. So when God has spoken to us that this is the year of the Lord's house, what we read in Isaiah 2 about the future house of God, it applies to us. So what God spoke for them, because I'm in the household, it applies to me. So while the world is coming down, the wicked are being overthrown. God has raised his people up. Put the scripture up on the screen. I didn't read it. Proverbs 12, 7. Stand to your feet. Proverbs 12, 7. Hallelujah. Have y'all learned anything tonight? Well, you, hopefully you learned something because we went through all kind of Bible story lessons and everything. I'm doing Barbara's job for her. All right, let's look at Proverbs 12, verse 7. 
does it say? Ready? Read. Wicked. But this is what's happening. The wicked are overthrown. They're being overthrown right now. But the house of the righteous. This isn't just your local house, you and your family. Now, it does apply certainly to you and your family. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Right? It will not come near your dwelling. So you're, sure, your natural house, but we are together the household of faith. Together we, we are a spiritual house. Together we are the house of the righteous. So even while the wicked are being overthrown, this house, meaning the house of God, will stand. You see? Hallelujah. Do y'all receive that tonight? Are you the least bit excited about what God is doing and God is saying? You're very excited. Come on, give God a big praise tonight for the word of God. God is moving and he's moving right now. God is moving and he's moving right now. God is moving and he's moving right now. Amen. Lord, thank you so much that this is the year of the Lord's house, the year of your house, and we are your people. We are, we are citizens, citizens and members. We're not illegal aliens. We're not sneaking into it. God, you've brought us into your family. You've brought us into the household of faith. And God, as your people, tonight we thank you that we have rights and privileges and protections, and security, and guarantees, and favor, and blessings, and we have prophetic insight that, God, we have a heads up on what's happening in the earth. You don't do anything in the earth except you reveal it first to your servants, the prophets, oh God, and we as your prophetic people with prophetic insight, we are learning and we are getting a hold of this, Father, and Lord, we are renewing our minds to the things of God. And we're not letting what's happening in this world dictate to us what we do. We're only allowing what you say in your word dictate to us what we do. We declare it, God, let you be true and every man a liar. Your word is truth and your truth endures to all generations. So, Father, we stand on your word this day and we have no fear. No fear about what man can do to us. We'll have no fear of those who can destroy only the body. We have no fear of that. God, we don't love our lives to the death. God, your loving kindness is better than life itself. God, the worst thing that can happen to us is that we die. And all that does is get us with you faster. So we don't fear death. We don't fear persecution. We don't fear the attacks. Our faith is in you and what you're doing in the earth, in the body of Christ, in our lives. Now, Father, we know that it's your plan for many to come. We'll, Lord, you'll get us there Sunday because you said as you raise up your house, you said that many will come saying, let us go up. Let us go up to the house of God. So God, as you raise up the body of Christ, 
millions of people all over this nation, all over this world will begin to flock to your house. They'll begin to flock to hear what you have to say because all the world's answers have failed. All the world's logic, all the world's knowledge has failed. But your truth endures to all generations. So we look forward to the day that people will come by the droves. Your word even declares, 10 men from every nation will grab a hold of one Jew and say, let us go with you, for we see that God is with you. So think of that God will all bring them in by the tens. By the tens, they'll come grabbing a hold of us. And we'll see the body of Christ expand, the kingdom of God advance. All this happening until that great and glorious day that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ cracks the sky. And that trumpet shall sound. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them and with you in the air. And you said, so we shall ever be with you. Thank you, Father. But until that time, let it be the restoration of all things. Your house on top of all the other houses. We thank you that it's so. We give you the praise, the glory, and honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Put those hands together once again and give God a praise.